Hey, Fast Break listeners, Talib here. We've got a special series for you this month. Fast Company has partnered with Facebook to bring you Uncommon Good, a look at how social good plays a role in business. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm Chris Denson, and this is Uncommon Good, a custom podcast from Fastco Works and Facebook. In this series, we'll hear from industry leaders who combine purpose with innovative thinking to give back to their local or global community. Today's episode, Innovating It Forward, inside the new programs that are supporting communities and small businesses in a time of need. Joining me today is Stephanie Latham, the head of technology and telecoms vertical at Facebook. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. This is going to be pretty awesome. I'm going to start with a bad pun, though. Uh, I would only expect that from you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how to feel about that, but I'll accept it. But no, up, up until last year, you were all things automotive at Facebook. And I'm just curious as to what drives you when it comes to, see, that was, that was the pun. Uh, what drives you when it comes to pairing your, your personal mission with your professional mission and maybe define that a little bit? Sure. Well, I think, you know, Chris, for me at the core of everything really is people. And I think about that personally and I think about that professionally, right? So personally, I am a female leader in tech right now. And those numbers aren't awesome. They're very similar to automotive. And I am very driven to use your word right back at you (laughs) to continue to champion change there. Right. And I think that's very real for me in my everyday life, but it's also very real for me when I wake up every morning and I see my six-year-old daughter and I'm continued to be committed to ensuring that I expand her vision of what's possible, that it's really exciting to hear her one day want to be a mom that works at Facebook. The next day she wants to be an engineer that's designing a unicorn car. And the next day she's using her microscope to come up with a vaccine for cancer. Right. And I think it's so important to continue to lead the way of anything's possible. The magic is when you can figure out how to kind of find that intersection professionally too. Right. And I'm a builder. Building is probably my superpower. You mentioned I, I led auto at Facebook. I did lead auto at Facebook for about five years. I never worked in automotive before that, but I was given the opportunity to build that. I, before I got into advertising, I taught kindergarten for a little bit. I think that's where you see like the five-year-old curiosity and you start to see how people interact with each other. And you just like the people connection is so important. And that translates to social media too, right? How people are interacting. And when you think about getting into a leadership role, my job is all about putting the right people in the right roles and helping them succeed. And that drives me, right? Seeing someone on my team have a light bulb go off or take on a new challenge or be able to break through in a new way or come up with new innovation, influence a product team to come up with a solution we really need. That's really exciting. I think that's really helped me to just continue to anchor on that. That's where I get all of my energy is from people. I can see it in your face and hopefully the audience can can hear it in your voice. I love that you're like a complete collection of your experiences, right? You know, you talk about being a kindergarten teacher and then the advertising world and then automotive at Facebook and now your current role. What advice do you give others who, you know, eventually want to combine their personal mission with their professional mission? Because sometimes, you know, a lot of us might feel like, oh, this isn't the environment for me to go and help the homeless or help kids or build homes or whatever it is. And we only have so much time in a day and we only have so much passion that we can extend into the world. So what are some advice and some some points you could give the audience as far as aligning those two things? Of course. I mean, I, I think the first thing is you have to be really clear, just really knowing what that is that gets you excited 
helps you stay focused on it. And then from a professional standpoint, you got to find a place that rewards it. So I'm really fortunate that people is at the core of everything Facebook does. It's at the core of our culture. It's at the core of our products. It's at the core of what I get to talk to clients about. Like that is a place that I thrive, but I wouldn't thrive in an investment bank. And so I think you have to have an honest conversation with yourself on that to find intersection points that are multipliers. So you're not just aligned, but you're able to do what you love and amplify what you love. I think, you know, at the end of the day, a business is a business um, and, and businesses make money and they sell products and, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I'm wondering about the relationship between doing good and driving growth. Can you do both at the same time? Are they separate? You know, and how do you marry those two efforts? You know, I think they're definitely related. And I think the correlation between them is becoming more and more imperative. I think as we look at our next generation of consumers, they're demanding it. It's not a nice to have, it's a must have, which was a conversation point for sure before last year. 2020 became like moment of clarity for many businesses considering everything was disrupted. And it was a really important time to take stock of, wait a second, life's changed, businesses changed, how we do businesses change. What is at the core DNA of my business and how am I useful to what this means for the future? You know, we now have 200 million businesses using our free tools to connect with customers every month. That helps them keep going, right? That's like pandemic agnostic. You can keep rocking and rolling and delivering the results you need in that way, showing up for your customers and how you care. Well, the other part of that is the execution, right? There, there are a lot of well-intended efforts and well-intended individuals and sometimes organizations are not equipped or they don't know what steps to take to empower those individuals to, you know, to carry on the mission. What do you think makes up good mechanical DNA? Like what has to happen, you know, from a logistical internal standpoint to make social good efforts successful? You know, on that one, I think you really have to have a true North Star that not every organization does this well. And even the ones that do, I think if you talk to those leaders and you do, like it's always a work in progress. Having a North Star is mission critical. At Facebook, our mission has always been to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. That guides every decision. People are at the core of that. And that doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that's not without hard decisions or opposition, but it gives clarity and it gives authenticity to allow us to really play to our strengths and what's important. There's a responsibility there with the 3 billion people that we serve. I'll give you an example. When everything hit in earlier this year with COVID, we realized the best role we could play there was sending people to get the correct information about COVID. So we developed the COVID information hub. We sent billions of people to that information hub. That wouldn't work for every company, but you've got to get to like, what are you good at and how can you meet the people where they are with the behavior that they're doing there? Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, a lot of us sometimes will set goals that don't necessarily align with what we naturally do. I abide by this theory that sometimes the best thing for you is right next to you. Usually we're looking like a thousand feet away or a hundred yards down the field. And you're like, no, what you need and what you're most capable of is right in front of you. But as you look out into the world, what other examples have you seen that are pretty awesome executions of social good in the, in the category? So I'll give you a consumer tech example to get started, but I'll give you a few more. When Whirlpool saw that one in five students don't have access to clean clothes and kids don't like to go to school if they don't have clean clothes, they created the Cares Counts program. And this program installs washers and dryers in school. So it helps remove that barrier. 
really different use of technology, right? But like a smart way to take an insight and really help impact some change there. So I love that. I like some of the work Microsoft's been doing with changing the game and that's all the inclusive design. So really putting a lot of thought into designing game controllers for differently abled users and thinking about COVID, I've been really impressed with some of the work GoDaddy has done. They really pivoted when they saw GoDaddy supports a ton of small businesses with their suite of services and platform offerings from website domain registration to website hosting and marketing services once you get your site up and running. And they realized that so many of their small businesses were really impacted from the pandemic. They pivoted very quickly to offer them additional services and support. Very different examples. I could talk about this topic, Chris, for hours. <laughs> I see. I love, <laughs> I just love all of it. And there are so many examples everywhere, which is just such a reminder to everyone of digging into that and what we can do together. Yeah, you know, and also think about like, those are all amazing examples. Let's say I'm Jane Doe leader or John Doe rookie, and I go, I want to start an initiative in my workplace. Once that thought comes to mind and I really put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, what are some of those first steps that, you know, organizations should be thinking about when they want to begin a social good effort? I think the first step is to take a hard look in the mirror. Is this something that's core to our culture, core to our business? Does this speak to the ethos of our organization? Can this live on? I think the one and dones are really hard, you know? So I, I think you have to think about something. Can we sustain this? That of course, donations are wonderful. Oftentimes they're they're one-offs that you have to think about where, where are the roots and can this live on beyond a leader, beyond a person that's like running a certain project. And so think about that. And making sure it ties back to the bigger vision, because if it doesn't tie back to that and it's not core to, to what you're operating, then it's not going to be long lasting. It's not going to be authentic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, because I think a lot of these organizations are, you know, we know them for a particular practice, like Facebook. Perfect example. I know what I use it for. But in many cases, you don't realize the mass effort that's being done behind social good. How do you go about sharing what you're doing and amplifying that just to either celebrate it, maybe from a PR perspective or just from a conversational cultural connection perspective? How do you go about sharing that good work? I mean, probably a strange things for me to say in my role, but I'm a big believer that good work is often found. And if not, there's always advertising, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that, but I, I think it seems obvious, but you have to meet the people where they are. And that depends on what you want them to see and what you want them to feel. And, you know, if you have someone that was impacted by the fires in Australia, then the amount of money that was raised on Facebook for that, you felt it, right? Like you had an emotional connection to that. That's so much more impactful than any ad campaign, right? Or anything like that. And so I think you have to get creative and really meeting people where they are. Beautifully stated. I think when philosophy is put into action, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And, you know, I, I think, for instance, even in your role or maybe someone else who has a similar CSR sort of role at an important company, your door is getting knocked on a lot. Right. And I have this cause. Please help us. Can we do this on the platform? How do you go about vetting? And I think it also kind of speaks to consumers as well. You know, if I want to give money to a cause or support an organization, how do I go about vetting to ensure that I'm aligned with the right partners or efforts? Hard for me to answer this one for Facebook specifically, because I don't, in full disclosure, I don't vet our opportunities for that. But I think to the spirit of your question, 
it all comes back to values, right? In the same way that I would vet something personally, I would vet it professionally too, right? Does this align to my values, to what I stand for as a person, to what we stand for as a company and full circle back to your original question. That's why it's so important to find that intersection personally and professionally of what drives you, what you stand for, what you believe in, because it makes those decisions a lot easier when things aren't in conflict. Again, beautifully stated. Speaking of beautifully stated, I'm going to read a quote of yours. Do you mind if I do that? Sure. All right, here we go. (laughs) You always have a choice. Even in the most trying situations, you have a choice in terms of how you respond. As life continues, you don't always get to choose what happens to you or when it happens to you, but you do always get to choose your response. And kind of full circle from where we started, this is a quote from you, and you were discussing your relationship with your cancer experience. And I'm just curious as to how this might have changed your perspective on things, how you operate either personally and or professionally or the two together. How did that sort of life-changing experience affect you in that capacity? Well, I have to give credit to my mom for life is choices. So full disclosure, that goes way back to my childhood. And that was used quite frequently in my household growing up. What I love about this expression, Chris, is that there is so much that's out of our control. And you know what, for me, and this quote was in relation to my uh, adventure with breast cancer, which I'm thankfully on the other side of and six years out now, gratefully, but it applies to last year. It applies to this morning, like negotiating with your children over what to eat for breakfast, or it, it has so many wide ranging applications because you're not always in control of what happens, but you're always in control of how you respond. And for me, that's always empowering, right? That I am always in control of how I choose to respond and the perspective that I choose to take on. And that has been a game changing perspective for me in life. It's something I continue to take and pay forward personally and professionally. Awesome. 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 Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Chris. So fun. Great to chat with you. And now we're going to dive into Facebook's Business Equality Group, which works to accelerate the business actions that lead to a more diverse and inclusive business world. Joining me to chat about this initiative is Ashley McGowan, the Business Equality Lead at Facebook. Thanks for being here, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Having a a decent day so far. (laughs) Um, I guess for starters, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what led you to your involvement in the business equality. Yeah. So I've been serving in the advertising industry for a little over a decade. And most of my capacities have been in the creative agency world as well as the sales world. And about a year ago, actually a year and a half ago now, I was afforded an opportunity at Facebook to merge the skills and strengths that I built in the creative and sales world with the passion that I have for diversity and inclusion to build a new business group called Business Equality. And our team is focused on the acceleration of the business actions that we believe will lead to a more diverse and inclusive world. A lot of our work revolves around the acceleration of inclusive representation in advertising as well as media. And then we also focus a lot on the expansion of economic mobility for diverse businesses. So your job is is pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yes. Walk in the park. (laughs) It sounds like a a huge undertaking. And I think that most of us kind of like ethereally know that more diverse teams will kind of help us make better decisions and build better products. But for those who might not be familiar with how diversity can impact those things, uh, how would you describe it to them? 
You know, when a business entity makes a commitment to diversity in their teams, as well as the operations, it really helps them to open up the advanced innovation that they can reach. For example, you can solve more problems faster when you have a team that has cognitive diversity. You also could have a lot more innovation and a lot more perspectives at the table when you have a diaspora of cultural backgrounds and experiences, as well as personalities that allow you to just really think differently about the problems that are at hand. This is really important. And it also is just like really smart business because innovation breeds positive business outcomes. And from my understanding, that's the goal that everyone has when they embark on business. So, Ashley, look, the business decisions we make on a day-to-day basis about how we spend our time and how we spend our money can really accelerate a more equal world. But those decisions are pretty hard to make. What kind of programs do you guys already have in place that support this effort? One of the more important partnerships that our team has within Facebook is our relationship with the supplier diversity team. Our team fully supports their vision to help transform the way that diverse suppliers connect to customers, as well as um, publishing tools and resources that enable growth. This past year, Facebook made a commitment to spend $1 billion with diverse suppliers in 2021 and every year thereafter. As a part of this, we also committed to spending at least $100 million annually with Black-owned suppliers. In January, we began to roll out programs like our supplier diversity program within the United States, but we really are focused and really excited about um, expanding this around the world and really building relationships with diverse vendors all over the world. That sounds super empowering, right? Like just to look at it through the global lens. Yes. Because um, most times, you know, this is in the past, whatever, 18 months, this has been a very U.S.-centric public conversation. How do you kind of effectively diversify your spin with diverse suppliers around the world? How are you like vetting them, discovering them, and then, of course, activating with them in some way? Yeah. So the most important thing that we focus our time and attention on is enabling our teams to be able to take action. And so that involves us building some internal tools that also involves a lot of emphasis placed on relationship building. The most exciting tool that we recently built last year is a tool that we have internally, but we call it DIESEL. It's an acronym for Diverse Supplier Lookup Tool, but essentially it's a global tool that enables our teams to locate diverse suppliers wherever they are. I love it because it is zip code based in the U.S. and then we're working on rolling that out to other countries, but it allows you to really just understand who are the diverse owned suppliers in your specific area that you can work with to really get work done. We also really place emphasis on relationship building with our teams. We have two programs that we released last year, the first one being the Supplier Spotlight Program. And this allows diverse suppliers to sign up for virtual meetings directly with our team so that we can learn more about their capabilities and we're in a better position to be able to share them across the organization. And then we also built a Diverse Supplier Summit, which is a two-year program. It happens once a year, but um, we present live content as well as pre-recorded sessions that help business owners learn more about how to do business with Facebook. And then we've also learned through that process that those businesses also value being able to meet other diverse vendors and learn the best practices that they're executing when working with us. That's beautiful. Look, I I mean, everything you described is like so robust. This is a lot more than like a spreadsheet. And we just like, we're looking around in a searchable database of some sort. There's serving these soft skills, there's building relationships, and there's of course doing the business. So when it comes to 
data. How are you identifying those gaps, whether it's, you know, we just need to build better relationships or we've discovered in this part of this city, you know, there's some improvements that we can make? Yeah, it might be easier for me to maybe give a little bit more context behind the issue that we identified with data labeling. So essentially, several of our project managers escalated an outage with data labeling, specifically in West Africa. And this created a little bit of a problem for us in being able to execute the tools and resources that we would like for all of our customers. Um, and users on the platform to be able to utilize seamlessly. The team typically would come together to address this problem, identify maybe resources that we have internally or develop some skills within their team to be able to address the problem. However, there was one project manager who stood up and decided to engage the supplier diversity team to understand what type of resources that team might be able to offer to augment the team so that we were able to reach a solution faster. The rigor that our supplier diversity team puts into relationship development allowed them to be able to identify a vendor almost immediately when the problem was presented to them. It was like in addition to the data and the information, there's just like this fluidity of the program and that it's not as rigorous as we would think, right? Where you go, oh, this is step one, step two, step three is kind of making these decisions on the fly. I would imagine people might listen to this and go like, oh, well, they're Facebook. It's easy for them to do, right? (laughs) They're giant. They have a bunch of money, et cetera, et cetera, these these perceptions that we have. But really, anybody can make any step at any point in time. What kind of advice would you give to other technology companies that kind of want to make a difference in how they practice business equality? Well, I guess the first thing I would say is like (laughs) supplier diversity really gets a bad rap. (laughs) It is, um, (laughs) it's not the like sexiest of the initiatives that you can put in place, but I think it's a very instrumental one. When you think about being able to be transformative in the practices, when you think about supplier diversity, as well as business equality, I think there's two things that you can do. One, you can be very intentional about your commitment to action. And it's totally okay to start small. I actually started my journey with supplier diversity with the budget that I control on business equality and making a commitment to our team, as well as the rest of the organization that I would spend a certain percentage of my dollars with diverse vendors. Obviously, the organization has made an even bigger commitment that I'm now contributing to, but my journey started with just the small budget that I control within business equality. The second thing that you can do to be transformative is build relationships. We talked a lot here about having vendors on speed dial. A lot of times when you think about business equality or diversity and inclusion initiatives, you think about people and talent and human capital. And a lot of that commitment is made to increasing talent pipelines, that same type of rigor and approach needs to be instituted when you're thinking about your vendor management as well. Those are just two tips that you can consider. (laughs) And just last week, we actually hosted a dedicated space on Facebook for Business that includes all of the tools and the programs and the trainings and the resources that businesses can use to foster business equality. So if you go to fb.com slash business equality, there is a space with all things helpful for you to be able to embark on this journey. fb.com slash business equality. Ashley, Thank you so much for doing the uncommon good. Hopefully it becomes more common in the near future. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode of Uncommon Good. Uncommon Good is produced by Fast Co. Works in partnership with Facebook. I'm Chris Denson. Our producer is Avery Miles.